listeners, and welcome back to yet another episode of Deadly Over After. I'm your host. My name's Elizabeth, here with my co-host. My name is Harry, and I'm Elizabeth's husband. Yeah, my husband, my co-host. And today, Harry, I have kind of an interesting case that's a little bit of a departure from the norm. Um, It's Canadian, for one thing. It's a little bit old-timey you know, it doesn't have like the most um, satisfying of endings, but uh, I still thought it would be kind of fun just to mix it up. Sure. Yeah. So today's case is that of Evelyn Dick. Hmm. On March 16th, 1946, a group of children were walking along a large forested ridge on the coast of Lake Ontario in the city of Hamilton, Canada about an hour from the American side of Niagara Falls, which is not very far from where Harry and I live. Hmm. Exploring this area, which the locals called the mountain, the children saw what they believed to be the corpse of a pig missing its head. Upon closer inspection, however, it was actually the limbless torso of an adult man. The police were called and they immediately suspected homicide, given the obvious trauma the body had endured in addition to a large wound dissecting the torso. They speculated that it looked as though someone had tried to cut the torso in half, but failed. As news of the discovery broke, a man named Alexander Kammerer went to the police station. He was worried because his cousin, John Dick, a conductor for the local railway, had gone missing 10 days earlier. Kammerer told police that John vanished after separating from his wife and he hadn't contacted any friends or family and he hadn't shown up for work, which was very out of character. Hmm. Using Dick's existing medical records, the medical examiner identified the headless torso as the remains of John Dick. After the ID had been made, Police brought the man's estranged wife, a notorious local woman named Evelyn Dick, into the state. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah. What? I, I think I thought you were going to say they brought they brought the torso to her, which is which would be a horrible way to learn about your husband's fate. Oh my God, Harry! They don't do that. But for like IDing bodies. No. Like, um, your no, husband's. They don't, they don't bring it to. It's not delivery. They don't bring it to you. You have to go to the body. When faced with the news that her husband was murdered, Evelyn shocked police by remarking, don't look at me, I don't know anything about it. Well, we, we have to take things on face value sometimes, you know. So, we, that's, like, that's like the first tenant of true crime is never take anything at face value. If the police came to me and was like, hey, your husband Harry was murdered and I said, don't look at me, I don't know anything about it, what would, how would you feel about that? Uh, well, I mean, I, I would trust you. Because we're 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 building something strong here. The police pressed her further, and Evelyn seemed to recall an Italian hitman who recently came to her home asking about John. Apparently, Evelyn told police that John Dick had been having an affair with the hitman's wife, and now the hitman was going to quote fix John. After telling Mrs. Dick this information, the hitman left without revealing his name. I guess in 1946, like, like hitmen were, that was a more of a booming industry back then. Cause you have like the mafia and, you know, mm. 
it's a little more realistic than if that happened in say like 2006 but yeah it's like hi i'm a hitman and i'm looking for your husband right it's like the police kind of know that this lady's full of shit i think from the jump is the feeling i get though the police knew the story was a lie they didn't have enough evidence to hold evelyn after questioning so they were forced to release her she remained their prime suspect between her lackluster reaction to the murder and the bizarre story she told them. So police began piecing together Evelyn's movements in the days leading up to John Dick's murder. They found out that Mrs. Dick had borrowed a car from her friend, Bill Landig. In talking to Mr. Landig, it came out that Evelyn had returned the car in very poor condition. The seat covers were removed and the upholstery underneath was covered in blood. And there was a pile of bloody clothing in the back seat. That's not a good look. It's pretty. No, pretty sloppy. Yeah. So, you know, I want to give you the benefit of the doubt if if I die and then um, people ask you and you say, don't look at me. I didn't kill him. But then if they see, your, you know, the car is soaked in blood, then that's when people have to doubt you. I mean, honestly, even if she didn't murder him at this point, like she's a horrible neighbor. She borrowed this car and came in like, if anyone borrowed my car and it was covered in blood when I got it back, even if it was like they had slaughtered an animal in there, if they had like taken it hunting, I would be so furious. Yeah, that's just rude. Yeah, this lady's convicted of being a shitty friend in my in the court of Elizabeth. By way of an explanation, a note had been left inside the car stating that Evelyn's daughter, Heather, had cut herself and bled all over the interior. Which, again, even if that's true, like, I don't care, lady, go get my car detailed, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. After talking to Mr. Landig, police were able to retrieve DNA from the car and tested it against samples taken from John Dick's remains, and they matched. So now it's confirmed that, yeah, Evelyn Dick is a liar anyway. Mm. Armed with this new information, police once again brought Evelyn Dick into the station for questioning. She elaborated on her previous story. According to Evelyn, she had received a phone call from a stranger, which turned out to be the Italian hitman informing her that John Dick had impregnated another woman. The hitman implied that her husband was going to die for this. The hitman also instructed Evelyn to borrow a car and meet him at a predetermined location. Evelyn obeyed and drove Bill Landick's car there, and the Italian hitman got in, carrying a large sack with him that held, quote, a piece of John. Evelyn admitted to driving the hitman and John's remains to the dump site. The police asked Evelyn about her reaction to finding out her husband had been hacked to pieces. And she said she, quote, wasn't happy about it, but that she thought John's infidelity and the resulting pregnancy was cruel. So she's kind of of the mind of like, you know, he, yeah, I feel bad that he's literally been chopped up like, you know, a pig in a slaughterhouse, but also he was cheating on me. So an eye for an eye is kind of her attitude. Yeah. And also then who gives a shit about Bill's car? After additional questioning, Evelyn shifted her story several times, but eventually signed a statement provided by police that claimed John Dick was murdered by multiple Italian hitmen who had been hired by a local man who was a friend of Evelyn's named Bill Bohazuk. Mrs. Dick escorted police on multiple tours, first driving the exact route she claimed to have used with the Italian hitmen. Later, Evelyn took the police to the nearby city of Glanford and directed them down a desolate, muddy road where she claimed John Dick had been shot in the head. And it's like, all right, if that's true, then why is Bill's car covered in blood, you know? 
Yeah, where is it? Where is this squad of Italian hitmen? Back in Italy, I don't know. That yeah, that are under command by some other shady person. Yeah, I mean it's 1946. He 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 waited. He took a boat to Canada, and that took eight months. He came. He killed John Dick. That was done in like you know 20 minutes, and then now he's back. He's back on the boat. He's going home. Mm. So and somehow he knew that John Dick was the person who impregnated. Like it's not like there's video recordings at this time. No, it's somebody. Somebody yeah. wrote it in a letter. That's the only evidence they would have. Right. While police parse through Evelyn's multiple statements, attempting to establish fact from fiction, an additional unit searched the house at 32 Carrick Avenue, the home that Mr. and Mrs. Dick had briefly shared, along with John's stepdaughter, Heather. Evelyn Dick owned the house outright and had paid for it herself. John Dick's name did not appear anywhere on the mortgage or the deed. And they say that like that's a bad thing, but like, you know, our mortgage is solely in my name. So. Is it? Yeah. Oh, because I'm not, I wasn't a citizen. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to like kick you out and give you like no claim to anything. So I I kind of don't like how they reported that because that makes her seem evil. And like she is evil, but she's not evil because of that. You know, other people do that too. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. Investigators combed through every. Did we have that? Or what? I don't remember. I still own the house, right? Well, not on paper. I own the house on paper. You own the house, like in life, like in our life, in reality. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's the main, you know. Yeah. That's the that is that is the main thing, of course. But um, yeah. Sorry, that's floored me a bit. I, Why? I not a big deal. No. Yeah, we both contribute to the household expenses, and you know, I'm probably the primary breadwinner, but. That's um, for long. not for long here. This podcast is taking off. I can feel it. So not for long. That's good. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Investigators combed through every room of the house, but it wasn't until they reached the attic that they found something truly disturbing. They approached a large beige suitcase and unlatching it, found the corpse of an infant baby encased in cement. Hospital records confirmed that nearly a year and a half before, Evelyn Dick had given birth to a healthy baby boy on September 5th, 1944. Police also searched the home of Donald and Alexandra McLean, Evelyn's parents. In the basement of the McLean's house, investigators found a bloody pipe, a revolver with spent cartridges, a hacksaw, and a pair of shoes that were both covered in blood. The shoes were later confirmed to have belonged to John Dick. Although it's like, what it, what were his his initials carved on them? So it's like, that's a little, you know. Were they? No. I, oh, okay. No, I just, it's like, it's the 40s. He worked, you know, he's kind of a working dude. It's like, I'm sure they were black boots. He could be like, oh yeah, those were John's. It's like, come on. Oh, okay. So yeah. that's like, he's, we can get them like custom made with your name on them. Yeah, right. So I feel like, again, she's guilty, but it's also kind of like, that's a little bit of bullshit, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and all these lies are starting to really unravel her. Well, funny you should say that because in the wake of these discoveries, Evelyn Dick, Donald McLean, and Bill Bohuzak were all arrested and charged with John's murder. And so just to clarify, it's like that's John's wife, John's wife's father, John's <laughs> wife's like boyfriend, I guess, for lack of a better word. A uh, partner, maybe might be a better word. He's married, though, so he's like, you know. Oh, 
uh, yeah, side piece. Uh, well, no one calls them that, but I guess so. Once in police custody, Evelyn immediately changed her story. First, again? She, yeah, Harry, again. Oh, oh. Goddamn pipes, Harry. So we're okay. Terry's going to fix I'm getting them fixed today. I can't deal with these anymore. Okay. All right. What? Enough. That's fair enough. Fair enough. I said I did say I'd fix it. No. Guess I've let you down again. I asked you in the last episode to fix them, and that was two weeks ago. I've just yeah, I've been. I've been. You dare fucking say you've been busy? You have not been busy. Gary's put a lot on my plate recently. Oh my God. You need to put a boundary up with him. It's weird that he texts you so often. He's not your boss. True. He's just another teacher. First, she admitted to police that she had met Bill Bohuzak one evening after leaving a restaurant. Evelyn had been married to John Dick for less than a week at that point, but she immediately began an affair with Bohuzak. Evelyn then claimed that Bill hired the Italian hitman to kill John for $200, which like bargain. Oh, well, was not that time's money. That was probably like 200 grand or something. Let's find out. I would ask you to do it, but you're shit at math. All right. Well, what's 200 times 1,000? 200,000, right? No, 2,000. Who's shit at math now? You, you, you're still shit at math. So apparently it would be $200 in 1940s Canadian dollars is equivalent to $2,500 in US money today. But that's still like which, really cheap. Which is, yeah, which is $250,000. No, oh, no, no, $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $2,500. $
but not really yeah well you're not you don't really show much respect for the og jrr talking you know so i thought you you didn't know that bilbo is a legitimate name not a common what? one why are you sorry did you write the lord of the rings why are you getting heated oh i'm not heated i just think that you know fantastic beasts and where to get them is where to find them is fantastic beasts and where to find them okay why do you it's a good book why do you hate that book so much i I haven't read it i should i should give it give it a go i guess yeah jesus after the discovery in the attic of evelyn's house she said the truth was that Bill Bohozuk had killed both her husband and her infant son. Ugh. The police were bewildered by the facts of the case and by the coldness of Evelyn Dick. The more they investigated, the stranger things became. Evelyn Dick was born near Niagara Falls on October 13, 1920. And when she was a year old, the McLean family moved to the city of Hamilton. Evelyn's father, Donald, held a well-paying job for the rail service and Evelyn's mother was a homemaker. Okay. I should just refer to myself as a homemaker. You're always saying that I'm unemployed, but I'm going to say I'm a homemaker. Yeah, I think you should be proud of that title. Yeah, thank but, you. Yeah, but you're, you're not just a homemaker. You're a I, podcaster. If, why do you have to say just a homemaker, though? Even if I was, that would be fine. True, true. But you, you're not just that. You're, you're a podcaster. You're an, you're an artist. Thank you. Creative. A creative, yep. Uh, businesswoman, project manager. So, you, you know, you've, you've got a lot of strings to your bow. Thank you, Terry. You know, oh, yeah. Thank you. Their house was beautifully furnished. They had large sums of money in the local bank. And Evelyn was encouraged to go shopping whenever she wanted, since her parents provided her with plenty of pocket money. This is during the, the Roaring Twenties, I will point out. She was, you know, so. I was going to say, this, this is your dream. It is. I wish I was Evelyn Dick. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it's been like, imagine just having unlimited balance on a credit card and going nuts on Amazon as much as you want. That's like your heaven. Yeah, you would never hear me complain again. Harry, you want to put an end to my unhappiness? This is all you need to do. So. Get those mice out of the walls. We don't have mice. Stop saying that. I hope I hope you're right. I hope it is just the pipes, which isn't that bad, to be honest. It's, it's, put the, it's the, horrible. It happens at night, Harry. It happens at, like the worst time when you're trying mm. to sleep, when you're trying to record. Like it's really, it's pretty bad. I guess maybe, yeah. Maybe where you sleep, it's it's worse. Because I just speak clear to the listeners. We, um, we do sleep in separate beds, but that's, a they don't need, why 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 are you telling them they don't need to know that they don't need to know well, that please up the whole i don't want listeners thinking that i'm like deaf because i can't hear i can't hear the pipes they you were know, so I, think, yeah. I think in the lower area of the house there are mice so that's what i hear and then where you in in, in the bedroom you hear the pipes so i, I just want to make clear to the listeners that that's why i guess that makes sense because heat rises so you might you might actually be onto that. Um, mm. Listeners, yeah, I mean, now I don't want it to be weird, but yes, Harry has a severely deviated septum, so he snores so badly. And mm. uh, I do. Not ideal, but we make it work. Anyway, we do. Despite their good financial standing, Evelyn experienced a very unhappy childhood. Oh, this is me. Her parents yeah. didn't allow her to socialize with other children in her neighborhood. 
so she spent a great deal of time alone. Well, yeah, Fur that's you. Yeah. Furthermore, her father, Donald, was an alcoholic, and rumors circulated through town that he embezzled money from the Hamilton Street Railway. Her parents fought constantly, often opting to spend long periods of time apart. Her parents were very concerned with social status and they encouraged Evelyn to break into specific social circles. The mm -hmm. McLeans enrolled their daughter in the Loretto Academy, a prestigious all girls school. And Evelyn hosted lavish parties for all of her classmates. She bought expensive gifts for girls she wanted to be her friends. But Evelyn really failed to connect with any of her peers. She remained essentially friendless throughout her adolescence. This is so sad. That is sad. Yeah. yeah. It's like a friendless, beautiful little rich girl. I feel bad. It should be noted that Evelyn Dick was a beautiful girl. She dressed in expensive furs and jewelry. And because she was rejected by girls her own age, Evelyn began hanging around with older men at the local racetrack. Nice. Rumors circulated. Uh huh? Oh, no, it's. I just said nicely. It's good that she um, was resourceful to like seek out companionship with um, more mature people. I guess she's she started fucking older men at the local racetrack. You think that's good? Oh, I didn't know about the fucking. Part. I thought she was. It was more like social. She was a socialite at the racetrack. Socialites don't go to the racetrack. Just a little FYI. Oh. Well, a little FYI in for, for you that in Australia that's going to the racetrack is you know you put on a suit or you know if you're if you're a lady you put on a um, uh, a nice hat and a dress and uh, yeah it is a it is a social occasion. Oh well, excuse me. I'm sorry. I did not know the very specific customs of Australia. Well, lesson learned. Rumors circulated that Evelyn did not behave as a proper young woman should, that she was a quote, fast girl. Her reputation was not helped by the fact that at the age of 22, Evelyn became pregnant. In 1942, she gave birth to a daughter, Heather. Evelyn claimed this shouldn't be a matter of scandal since she was actually married to a military man stationed overseas. But examinations of military records later proved that this was a lie. The identity of Heather's biological father was never revealed. As previously stated, Evelyn gave birth again in September of 1944. She named the baby Peter and told everyone that she had given him up for adoption immediately after his birth, as she was still unmarried. Peter was never mentioned again until police unearthed his corpse a year later. In June 1945, Evelyn's parents divorced and she and her mother Alexandra and her infant daughter Heather moved into an apartment in downtown Hamilton. During this time, Alexandra claims that she was never aware that her daughter was being courted by anyone. Yet on October 4th, 1945, Evelyn married John Dick at the Church of Ascension. Neither of Evelyn's parents attended the ceremony since they both disapproved of the marriage. Neither Donald nor Alexandra had even met John Dick before his wedding to Evelyn. It is believed that Evelyn thought John Dick was a very wealthy man at the time of their engagement. John Dick was born in Russia in 1906, making him 15 years older than Evelyn. That's hot. What? Yep. Huh? Oh, okay. 
He emigrated to Canada and settled in Hamilton in 1943 and was employed by the Hamilton Street Railway. According to Evelyn, John Dick was immediately smitten with her after their very first meeting. She told him she was a military widow and that her husband had been killed in action overseas. Now, she's she's probably lying, right? Not probably. That's she's not. That's a that's a full lie. Mm. But I think that, you know, I think it takes two to tango. And I think John Dick was also lying because uh, John Dick does not sound like a Russian name to me. Well, he probably changed it when he emigrated. So he, he lied. That's not a lie. Well, it's not his name. You think Metcalf is your real last name? Yeah. No. Oh. Your your ancestors came from a penal colony. Metcalf is probably like the name of the prison guard that enslaved your ancestors. Really? Probably. I never thought about that. After the wedding, John and Evelyn lived apart for another month, during which time, according to Evelyn's own admission, she began the affair with Bill Bohazuk. Evelyn continued living at the downtown apartment with her mother and daughter. John grew frustrated with this arrangement, control freak. So around November 1945, she purchased the house at 32 Carrick Avenue, and she, Heather, and John moved in together. Evelyn admitted to police that after their wedding, she found out that John wasn't as financially well-off as she had initially believed. She began going out to social events every night, leaving John to care for three-year-old Heather. John found out that Evelyn was sleeping around with other men. Their relationship ended on poor terms and he separated from her. John Dick moved out of 32 Carrick Avenue, heartbroken, and was staying with his cousin Alexander at the time of his murder. Evelyn's trial began on March 16, 1946, and because the murder of John Dick was one of the most brutal in Canadian history at the time. Yeah, there have been way, way more brutal murders since then, right? I assume so. I don't know. Well, okay. What? I've, yeah, well, no, I guess I thought you'd, you'd know more about that, but I think there are like, what was his name? Some, mm, they're more like Canadian serial killers and stuff like that. Maybe not as brutal, I guess. I, I know plenty about Canadian um, true crime, but I just, I'm not in a position to be like, oh, this one's the most gruesome or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would be, yeah, I guess that, that's not something that they really kind of quantify is it like the gruesome, gruesomeness of each of each murder, but uh, maybe they should. Maybe that's something for Nancy Grace to think about, you know, when she does her. My God, I love Nancy Grace. The trial ignited a media frenzy in Hamilton. People waited in lines for hours that wrapped around city blocks just to try to sit inside the courthouse during court proceedings. Evelyn Dick was on the front page of every major newspaper for months. Such an attention seeker, right? I mean, that's not her fault, though. That she, well, it was her upbringing that led her to be the attention seeker. That part's not her fault. I mean, she's a bad, she's she's a horrible person. I'm just saying it's not her fault that she's like addicted to attention because she was starved for it as a kid. That's like how it works, you know, two and two plus four. The stories printed every lurid detail that came out in the trial, and there were many, since Evelyn did not attempt to change her flippant attitude or even attempt to show any remorse. So I was able to find an exchange 
um, of a line of questioning between like the prosecutor and Evelyn Dick in, um, in one of the newspaper articles they found. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is regarding the paternity of her murdered infant son, Peter. So, Ooh, okay. Is it not a fact that the father of the child could have been any one of 400 men in the city? The lawyer asked. No, not that many, she said. 300 then, he suggested. Well, no. Tell the court how many men you've had sexual intercourse with then, the lawyer said. Maybe 150, Evelyn said. Mrs. Dick, said the lawyer, I want you to name these men for the court right now. Who are they? Well, his son for one, she replied. Are you pointing at the judge, the lawyer asked? Yes, the judge's son. So a uh, bit of a conflict of interest, right? No, right. Well, uh, I mean, apparently right. the judge issued like a gag order preventing newspapers from publishing the names that Evelyn revealed. She did name names apparently in trial. Mm. But I mean, that's pretty inappropriate. Like asking a woman, like, you know, he's basically putting her on trial for being a slut and that's not a crime. No. Yeah. So, you know, I thought slut shaming in 2022 was bad, but even in 1946, Canada was, sounds like a, a bit worse. Yeah. Maybe just a little bit. Mm. After a short trial, Evelyn Dick was found guilty of murdering her husband, John. Even though the prosecution could not provide any physical evidence linking her to the crime, they were able to prove that she was an active participant in the planning of the murder and that she possessed knowledge that could have saved Mr. Dick's life, but failed to do so. Mm. Evelyn was sentenced to die by hanging on January 7th, 1947. So this is like pretty expedient because his body is found, you know, early March, uh, the year before. So less than a year later, you know, she's sentenced to die. So that's like pretty, you know, that's like, that's really chop chop. Yeah, literally for John Dick. <laughs> Good one. Oh, for that's gross, Harry. I thought you meant for her cutting, cutting her head off. I was like, oh, that's a funny pun, but never mind. Yeah, I guess, it, yeah. Yeah. Evelyn's father, Donald McLean, and her lover, Bill Bohozak, were both tried for the murder of John Dick in a joint trial. Bohozak was found guilty as an accessory to the crime after the fact and sentenced to five years in prison. Donald McLean was cleared on all charges because the only witness who could corroborate his involvement was Evelyn, and she refused to testify against her father. There's a bit of loyalty there. No, that's gross. No, okay. After her first trial, Evelyn appealed her conviction, which was overturned after her new lawyer successfully argued that her initial statements to police were improperly admitted into evidence. Unfortunately for Evelyn, she had also been found guilty on the charge of manslaughter in the case of her infant son, Peter, and was sentenced to life in prison for that crime. But she only served 11 years at the Kingston Penitentiary before being released on November 10th, 1958. Shortly thereafter, she changed her name and started a new life in an unknown location. In 1985, Evelyn Dick was pardoned, which absolved her of any legal obligation to update the parole board or the police on her whereabouts. Mm. The file was sealed permanently, and no one has heard from her since. If alive, she would be 102 today. Wow. Today? No. Today's her birthday? No, 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 no. Her birthday oh. is October 13th. This oh, year, yeah. she would be 102, though. Uh, okay. It was October, I guess she would be, yeah, she would be 103, whatever. That would, I mean, that would have been good planning if you had to plan the episode to come out on her oh, birth. 
yeah, sorry. Sorry, I didn't do enough research. Maybe that's what you can do. You can, I mean, I know you're, you're spearheading this, but maybe, you know. No, um, I'm not going to do that. Do what? Plan the episode release dates, record dates around the the murderer's birthdays. That's fucking ridiculous. Didn't we talk about you shitting on my ideas? No. We talked about you not interrupting me so much on my podcast. That's what we talked about. My po- I thought we were doing this together. No, it's my Harry. You don't do any research. You're not gonna. You, you're not gonna do any of the post production. That's I'm deliberate. I'm, voice of, I'm the voice of the listener. You're I, not I, the voice of the listener. You're not. You're just not. The listener would never ask this many questions. They don't. They don't interrupt as much as you do. Your brain just goes down these weird tangents that aren't related to anything in the case. So what do we think? So that one's just, you know, it's a little bit different. It's it's a little old timey or I hate when people get acquitted because of like some technicalities, you know, with the police. That's just like that's so frustrating. Yeah, like they didn't read read some of the rights or something like that when that yeah. obviously did it. And yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And it's crazy that she could assume a whole new identity, you know. And that's I know. 1958, no... huh? That's like yeah it's like your mom's age if evelyn dick was your mom though like that's perfect you should ask her just just like just be like hey you're getting older level with me is this you and then you could i'm not doing that even if it's the first day i'm not doing that i'm gonna ask her don't ask her i'm gonna call her yeah. after done yeah she'll love it i don't think she'll say the humor in it like, she actually call her more did i tell you that she like wants to like you know i'll bring it up i'll show her this How would you like it if I started hanging out with Terry more? Terry doesn't want to hang out with you. I think if he spent more time with me, he'd change his mind. I don't think so. You don't think I can charm Terry? No. Okay, listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode of Deadly Ever After, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere that you listen to podcasts because we are on those platforms. As always, um, join our Patreon if you want more bonus content, if you want to get an even more like intimate look into how I craft every episode and kind of what Harry's bringing to the table. We got merch. Um, We aren't doing that live touring thing that a lot of podcasts are doing, but we are working on it. And actually, if you guys want us to come to a city near you, if you could um, send us an email with some like good potential venues Mm -hmm. in that city, that would be really helpful for me because I am a little bit of a one woman band. Um, But yeah, anything to add? No, uh, thank you. You know, uh, on behalf of the listeners to listeners, Thank you for listening. That's That's been uh, this week's episode of Deadly Ever After, the place where we bring murderers to you. That is, ignore him. That is not our tech. That's Come our, on. We don't bring no. murderers to people. That's creepy. Oh. Okay. <laughs>